Miller Knight, a smashing success. We'll recap one of the games of the year coming up on Locked On Sabres. Your Locked On Sabres, your daily podcast on the Buffalo Sabres. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Sabres your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Joe DiBiase, ready for this show, fired up for this show. First time, uh, not the first time, first time since last year, that uh, we get to talk about a Jersey retirement ceremony and an incredible night to be in the arena as the Sabres beat the New York Islanders in overtime by a score of 3-2. to two. We'll recap the game. We'll look at, I've got thoughts on how the ceremony went and the Sabres doing a great job. Our Goathead of the Night is coming up as well. And we'll take a sail across the Atlantic and look at how the standings look, both in the division and, more importantly, the wildcard race. It's starting to look better and better because the other teams are losing around the Sabres. So all that is ahead here on the podcast at Sneaky Joe Sports. Follow me on Twitter. The YouTube channel for Locked On Sabres. Go to YouTube. Type in Locked On Sabres. Easiest way to find it there. And if you want the podcast account on Twitter, it is at Locked On Sabres. Miller Knight was a smashing success. Every little thing about it was perfect. Every seat in the house was filled. The crowd was electric. And the atmosphere was incredible both during the ceremony and during the game. The Sabres themselves knocked it out of the park with the ceremony. I made this point on yesterday's show that every time they've been faced with something like this, uh, since really Hashik uh, had his number retired and it was embarrassing, they've done a great job. RJ Knight in particular, last year they did a great job, and this year they did a great job with Ryan Miller. They just RJ being involved, the Marty and Brian Duff did a great job. Um, Miller's speech. Miller is very good too in, in terms of public speaking. He's not maybe as fiery of a speaker as RJ was, but very intense. Uh, so Miller did a great job having his family involved. Um, also the uh, the Roswell Park fund that they established for him and making his community work a large part of the ceremony. I thought was really cool. The alumni, right? Like. Uh, kind of cool how they introduced them. It was weird how they selected, though, who would get a specific introduction and the others would just kind of get a, a group, right? Like it was Nathan Gerby, Henrik Talinder, Patrick Laline. Like Talinder maybe should have made the cut for a, a real introduction, no? Because then it was, oh, captain of the Sabres, fifth all-time in goals, Thomas Vanek. And then it was captain of the Sabres, the game-winning goal against Ottawa, Jason Pominville. They got their own setup. But Talinder didn't get his own setup. I, I don't know. But anyways, the alumni on hand was really cool. You had Derek Roy in the house. Derek Roy, by the way, looks like he could still play. Dude is not aged. He's And what probably helps that is, uh, you know, little time in Europe. He's picked up some fashion trends. He's got the black turtleneck coming up and the the, the mustache with the, the lighter beard all around it. Derek Roy, you could tell that guy just spent six years playing hockey in Europe. Uh, Drew Stafford in the house. Drew Stafford, by the way. Did that guy play quarterback at any point during his Sabre career? Because when they were doing the t-shirt toss in the uh, commercial timeouts in the arena, Stafford is throwing these t-shirts 50 yards Dude is launching these t-shirts. Um, so Drew Stafford in the house, Tim Connolly in the house. Saw that he was on crutches. Uh, 
no, no IR jokes. Come on, people. Be, let's 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 be let's be respectable here. Um, but Connolly was there. Laleem was there, as I mentioned. Uh, who else? You had Jim Corsi, the Sabres' old goaltender coach, and Miller's old goaltender coach was in the house. Nathan Gerby, Tim Kennedy. Um, I mentioned Talinder. Then they did a great job, like incorporating other alumni that couldn't be there with video messages throughout the, uh, the the game. Dominic Hasek with a couple of different video messages. Lindy Ruff with a couple of video messages. Mike Greer, Danny Briere. Danny Briere got a big time ovation when he went up on that jumbotron. So, and, it, and those guys are you know working within hockey still. Love Ruff is the coach of the Devils. Greer is the head GM of the Sharks, and Briere is the assistant GM of the Philadelphia Flyers. So a lot of those guys are, you know, doing their own thing. So it's understandable why they were not there. I will say I was a little disappointed that Max Finneganoff was not there. I'm not saying I'm surprised he wasn't there. Uh, he's, you know, if you listen to me enough and you know, this podcast enough, he was my favorite athlete growing up, my favorite saber growing up. And I, the reason why I feel a little sad about it is he's such a cult hero for Buffalo Saber fans. I mean, you walk around that arena. I I dare you to count the jerseys in that arena and tell me anyone that's not currently on the team right now has more jersey representation there than Max Finneganoff. There are more Finneganoff jerseys than every Sabre game than, than Briere, than Miller, not last night for Miller, but usually, than Vanek. There are so many Max jerseys in the every single arena every every time. If he didn't come back for this, he's probably never coming back. And that's fine, right? Like, what was it going to be? He wasn't going to say anything to the crowd. You know, he's not getting his jersey retired at any point. He's probably not going to be placed in the Sabres Hall of Fame at any point. But just to see him in the arena and even to have that one moment, that five-second moment where they would introduce him and the crowd to go crazy. Oh, that would have been that would have been glorious. But I don't think we're ever getting it because this was kind of it, right? This was the celebration for that team, that 05-06 team. Miller will be the only jersey retired from that team. Maybe some others will go into the Hall of Fame, like Vanek. Um, you know, maybe Briere goes into a Sabres Hall of Fame at some point. But my guess is, you know, the way things are with Russia now in the world, I don't know how tr- easy it is to travel from Russia to the United States and back. Um, just a just a guess that Max Finneganoff is just going to probably never come to one of these things. Um, just kind of how it is. But again, not a surprise. You know, the guy lives halfway across the world. Um Speaking of the Sabres Hall of Fame, that was the one other point I wanted to get to about the ceremony. The Sabres included in the Jersey retirement, Miller being inducted into the Sabres Hall of Fame, the the forgotten about Sabres Hall of Fame. No one had been inducted into the Sabres Hall of Fame since Dominic Hasek was, actually, excuse me, Alexander McGillney was 11 years ago. It had been 11 years since anybody did that. And now that they put Miller in, and Miller in his speech even thanked the committee for the Hall of Fame. And he named them. You know, Terry Pagula was on the committee and Larry Playfair and Rob Ray um, and a lot of other former Sabres that were involved in that. That, I don't know, maybe they're maybe they're firing that back up. I, I'd like to see, before you really know they're firing it back up totally, are they going to have a Sabres Hall of Fame ceremony at some point for someone that's just getting in the Sabres Hall of Fame? They once did that with Dale Howarchuk and Alexander McGillney. I think the last two to get in. It was just a ceremony for those two. They weren't getting their jerseys retired, but they got their swords before the game. It was a chance to remember them and to celebrate them um, without putting their number in the rafters. That is something the Sabres need to get going on. And I hope this is a sign that they're going to. 
that we can have a Thomas Vanek night without having to retire number jersey number 26, uh, and he goes into the Sabres Hall of Fame. That we can have a – I mean, I'd love a fitting enough to get in, but we can have a uh, – you know, we can have – who else would make the Sabres Hall of Fame those teams? Jason Pominville. Without retiring number 29, we can have a Jason Pominville night where he gets into the Hall of Fame. Um, I think they need to fire the Hall of Fame back up just for the Knights, just to have the Knights where the guys are back in, they give a little speech, and you don't have to keep flooding the, the rafters with numbers. So cool that they did that with Miller, and I hope that they continue it. When we come back, the game itself – an incredible game to talk about. Goathead of the night, one of the greatest individual performances I thought of the season by a Buffalo Sabre. That is ahead here on the Locked on Sabres podcast. We're brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little bit healthier this year. If you're like me, when where you eat, want to eat healthier – but don't want to compromise taste. And man, I've got the thing for you. You got to try built with built healthy is actually tasty. Seriously. They're so delicious. You won't think they're good for you. Perfect for your new year's resolution. And what makes built bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in hundred percent real chocolate. That's right. Real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond. I'm not sure how built does it, but the bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros, macros, only 130 calories and four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. Jody Biasi back here on the Locked on Sabres podcast. Sabres with a 3-2 victory over the New York Islanders. A big game in the standings, but we'll get to the standings in just a little bit here. Uh, the Sabres outplayed the New York Islanders from beginning to end in this affair. Um, it was, I, I mean, they looked like two different teams. Two different teams and, like, in terms of caliber, in terms of, of quality. The Sabres were just running over them. The Islanders were playing typical Islanders hockey, back on their heels, you know, blocking shots, asking their goalie to make incredible saves. And by the way, Ilya Sorokin, for a lot of casual hockey fans that are big Sabre fans that don't watch the rest of the league a ton, did you get did you get a load of that guy? He's probably going to be a Vesna finalist this year. Might have been your first chance to see him up close and personal. Holy cow, is Ilya Sorokin a great goaltender? But in this game. The Sabres outshot the New York Islanders 45 to 26. And the Sabres had 78 shot attempts at five on five in this game. Shots, shot attempts at five on five. That is the most the Sabres have had in an individual game going all the way back to 2007. And that's only because that's the first year the natural stat trick was tracking this. So as long as natural statric has been tracking shot attempts for, for, for individual teams, that is the most the Sabres have had in one game in the last 15 years. Really, it, it could be ever. We don't, I don't know. You know, there might've been a game in the seventies where Perot and the French connection had more than 78 shot attempts, but it could possibly be the most shot attempts they've ever had in a game. It was incredible how many they got. And by the way, I was in the stands. 
I nothing drives me crazier. The worst guy in the in the crowd at a hockey game is the shoot guy. Every two two seconds, the guy's got a puck. Shoot, buddy. They had the most shot attempts in any game ever. Come on, shoot. I I was losing my mind because uh, they were getting shots blocked. They obviously, I mean, forty five shots on seventy eight shot attempts is actually not that great. That's at least that's thirty one shots blocked, and that's only five on five. So really, it might have been. It probably was more than 31 shots blocked by the Islanders. Uh, yeah, the suit guys just drive me crazy. But the Sabres were incredible in this game. I thought all four lines played very well. I will say this, though. If there have been one minor criticism of the Sabres in this game, it is that it's not, honestly if it's a, of an individual. Tage Thompson just doesn't look right, doesn't he? I mean, I'm not panicking. I'm not saying anything about him as a player or a season or the contract. But it doesn't look right, does he? The last four or five games, and I know the stats aren't there to represent it, so you could just look at the stats and say, oh, he doesn't look right. I'm watching him, and he really doesn't look right. He's turning the puck over more. A lot of these toe drag moves that typically where he was executing are almost looking like easy uh, plays by the defenseman. He's fanning on pucks when he has open shooting opportunities. He's not getting into these one-timer spots. Um, so I, I don't know. I feel like Thompson is a little bit off in his last couple of games. I'm not overreacting to it. Again, I'm not even saying break up the first line, but if you look back in Thompson's last, uh, his last seven games, he has two goals and three assists. That's fine, right? Five points, but two goals in seven games. You'd want more from him. It's reminiscent of the beginning of the season where he had one goal in his first seven games. So it happens. The guy's not going to score on a 150 point pace every game. For the entire year, or he'd have 150 points. This is why you might expect him to get 100 points, because he's not going to be a 150-point guy the whole year. Um, but anyway, it's just a minor minor gripe, is that Thompson has not looked right. But otherwise, I thought every line played well. And man, I got to give a shout-out to the Casey Middlestat, Tyson Jost, Victor Olofsson line. Everyone was criticizing that line all year. I was at the front of the line. I thought that line was terrible. They were getting poor results at five on five. I thought they were getting artificially inflated stats because of their power play usage, but they have been a lot better uh, in the last few games. Olafson is scoring goals. Uh, Middlestat is racking up the assists. Middlestat has seven assists in his last eight games. Seven in his last eight, which brings his total to 27 points in 44 games on the season. I mean, that's about a that's about a 50 point pace on the year. Olafson, by the way, is at uh, four goals in his last five games and six goals in his last eight games. So, and a lot of these goals, by the way, for Olafson are at five on five. Of those eight goals in that stretch, none are on the power play. Let me just double check that I have that right. I just want to make sure. Um, yeah, none are on the power play. Eight even strength goals or, uh, six even strength goals. So Olsen is playing incredible. Middlestat's playing incredible. Tyson Jost is good too. Jost has really, I think, helped that line along a lot, but Middlestat's driving it. Don't get me wrong. Like, although Jost has helped it, Middlestat is driving it and it's his speed. He is more, he's more decisive with the puck. He's not hesitating ever. He's using his body well, but the number one asset he's got going for him right now is that speed. I, I think maybe behind only Alex Tuck and J.J. Paterka, he's the third fastest player on the team, and he's moving at a million miles an hour at all times. Um, and I, so mid, kudos to Middlestack because I think he is the engine that is running that line at, in, the last, uh, in the last two weeks. But 
have not mentioned yet my goat head of the night. And you're probably wondering, Joe, you spent 15 minutes. You haven't mentioned this guy by name. Rasmus Dahlin. Rasmus Dahlin is the goat head of the night in a runaway. I might hazard to say it was the best individual performance by a Saber all season. And that's despite the fact that, you know, he only had two, two assists and no goals. I mean, he had a game where he had five points earlier in the season. Uh, it's because of the control of the game, the individual plays, setting up plays in the neutral zone, doing every little thing right, and not one, not two, but three highlight reel plays in this game from Rasmus Dahlin. You started with uh, almost a coast-to-coast where he toe-drags to the center when he's going up the left wall in the first period and gets a shot on goal that's saved by Sorokin. And then in the third period, he picks a puck up that was behind him in his own end. He gets to actually turn around and while he's skating backwards, flips his hips around, and he almost goes coast to coast. He makes he, a juke move on the point on the the four checker at the point in the offensive zone. He goes around another player and actually gets tripped, but they don't call it. And then from his knees has the balance to go backhand forehand and get a scoring chance on Ilya Sorokin. And the best play of the night, of course, the highlight of the night, the play on the game winner. 12 seconds into overtime, Darlene with a Josh Allen, like, over-the-top, rainbow pass, splits the safeties right on the tape of Dylan Cousins. Cousins did a great job corralling it and then finishing, but that is the best pass of the season by a Sabre by Rasmus Darlene. The length of the ice over Islanders players, like they're linebackers trying to jump up in zone coverage. Unbelievable play by Darlene. He is the goat head of the night. Two apples on the night for him and what did he end up playing in terms of ice time Darlene on the night played 25 minutes in in 12 seconds so of course that led the team uh in ice time so when we come back excuse me when we come back with that win over the islanders they did let the islanders get a point but how are they looking now in the standings it was a big game for that and i'll let you know where they currently stand uh, as we are recording here on the Lockdown Savers podcast, that is next. Welcome back to the Lockdown Savers podcast with Joe DiBiase. All right, let's take a sail across the Atlantic. We're going to look at the Atlantic Division, and we are also going to look at the wild card race. Well, in the Atlantic Division, uh, if you're looking around, you had the Panthers with a win. They continue to stay hot. They have won six of their last 10 now. I guess that qualifies as hot with a 6-2 win over the Montreal Canadiens. Matthew Kachuk with two goals. Sam Reinhart with three points on the night. The Panthers now are two points ahead of the Sabres, but the Sabres maintain their games in hand advantage. Sabres have three games extra to play that Florida does not have. Right above them, above the Panthers, not a playoff spot, but one spot below a playoff spot is the New York Islanders. The Sabres maintain, because they played in the same night, of course, Sabres maintain a three three games in hand on the Islanders. Now, Sabres are only four points back of the Islanders. So you go two and three in your three games, and you're tied with the Islanders in the standings. I think the Sabres are a better team than the Islanders, and I think Thursday night was some pretty clear evidence of that. Pittsburgh is in the second wildcard spot with 51 points in 44 games. Uh so, they play Ottawa tonight. We'll see. They are favored in that game at home. I might expect they do it. And by the time you're listening to this, they might be sitting at 53 points, which would be the Sabres with a game in hand and six points back. But for now, Sabres are four points out of a playoff spot. 
and behind a Penguins team that's only won three of their last ten. And we've been tracking the Capitals because I'm keeping an eye on them because they've played more games than anybody. Uh, Sabres have four games in hand on the Washington Capitals. They won against the Coyotes four to nothing. Dylan Strome with two goals in that one. So it looks pretty good. You gained a point on the Islanders. You gained two points on the Penguins. You stayed level with the Panthers, and you, or at least you didn't let them gain anything on you on the night, and you didn't let Washington gain anything on you on the night either. So Sabres maintain their status of being in a playoff race. And that is going to do it for us here in the Lockdown Sabres podcast. Next up, we got a black and red game. Kids Day, Saturday matinee, 12.30 against a horrible Anaheim Ducks team. A very, very quick preview on that. I hesitate to say it's a must-win for the Sabres because of how bad the team is because Sabres have lost some of the worst teams in hockey this year. They've lost to the Coyotes, they've lost to Chicago, and they have lost to the uh, Philadelphia Flyers. So, I with the take over the grain of salt, Sabres should stomp the Ducks in this game. The Ducks are actually on pace for like 53 points. They have 31 points in 46 games. They have the worst goal differential in hockey at minus 83 by 20. By 20. The Ducks are at minus 83. Second last is the Blue Jackets at minus 63. Sabres should stomp the Canadians, or excuse me, the the Ducks in this one. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the Lockdown Sabres podcast. Enjoy Sabres and Ducks, and we'll talk to you hopefully after a Sabres win and a Bills win here on the Lockdown Savers podcast.